This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. God. Well, anybody know what our topic is? Six, that was kind of weak. It's not that bad, is it? What, what's our topic? Ah, that's better. Amen. Well, we introduced the subject last week in uh, talking about, you know, God's f- picture, God's photograph, God's uh, idea of what a successful family is. A successful family is not a perfect family because there doesn't one exist. <laughs> you know, we, I talked about last week, you know, the little humorous example, you know, you ever, you ever got, you got any family photographs at home, like when the kids were small and all? You know, you, you know, especially like at Christmas time or something, you know, I talked about that, you know, and you go back, you look at that photograph and, you know, and, you, you know, and I talked about, you know, the gap, there's a gap in Junior's tooth, you know, right there where he's smiling and mom's got her eyes closed and the baby's starting to cry and, you know, that's the family portrait. <laughs> you know, there's no such thing as a perfect family. So when we talk about successful families, we're not talking about arriving at some place where you've just got everything together and we're just all like, wow, 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 wow. But... By the grace of God and by the wisdom of God's Word and by the love of God, if we let the love of God rule in our hearts, we can come to a place where we can say, you know what, we've got a, we've got a good family, we've got a godly family, we've got a successful family. Not a perfect one, but a successful one. You know, <clears throat> when the order of God is acknowledged in the family by each one understanding their role, especially the mom and dad, the husband and father, when that's in place, then you know what? The grace of God is there to flow to meet every need. I believe that with all my heart, whatever the need is. I mean, if you've been a parent, man, I'm telling you, you've faced a lot of crossroads where you, man, what do we do now? How do we handle this situation? What do we do? Ever been there? (laughs) Hallelujah. So today we want to look at the role of the man in the, in the family, the husband and father in the family. And I think, without a doubt, one of the greatest needs that we have today in our society is for men to step up as husbands and as dads. Amen? Absolutely. Listen, I grew up without a dad. I know what that's like. It's, it's, it's not impossible, but you know what? It just makes it a little bit harder. It wasn't God's best. And, you know, uh, maybe worse than that might be a father who's in the house but really not there. You know, he's disengaged with anything to do with the family. So we're going to look at it today, and we're going to talk about the role of the husband and the father as the role of the man in the house. Turn to Ephesians 5. We, we looked at a part of this last week, reading it. Verse 25. <clears throat> it says, Husbands, love your wives. This is the starting place. You, you want to get out of the blocks well in your marriage. Listen, he said, love your wives. And remember, we said last week that we're not talking about a love like, you know, the world or Hollywood thinks. Well, you know, they're falling in and out of love, you know, every other week. I'm in love, I'm out of love. I'm in love, I'm out of love. No, love is a commitment. 
It's a decision I make and a commitment I make to another person. I'm going to love you no matter what. Wow. Now that's a commitment level that the world really doesn't know about and doesn't understand. But as Christians, as believers, as people who, who are God-fearers, who, who want God's will and purpose in our lives, this is the starting place, men. Can I hear holy grunt? All the men. We, we're committed. He said, love your wives. He didn't put any kind of uh, exceptions on here, did he? Any kind of, love your wives as long as they do what you want them to do. It's a good thing you didn't put that one on there, right? <laughs> I got to be careful. I'll get in trouble up here, Dr. V. <laughs> love your wife. Now, notice, how do we do this? <clears throat> he says, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Ooh. Wow. We know right, ne- right away, guys, we're going to have to have some grace and some Holy Spirit help on this one, aren't we? He says, love your, your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It was a, a selfless love, not a selfish love. If you've ever, whether in ministry or just as a friend to somebody, if you've ever dealt with any kind of marriage counseling on any kind of level, biggest, biggest problems usually that you'll encounter with that is one or both are selfish. Come on. You ever notice it's hard to have an argument with yourself? <laughs> Isn't that right? It takes two people to argue, doesn't it? And here's the thing. If I'm walking in love, if I'm loving my wife, come on, man, as Christ loved the church, there's going to be a whole lot less of those. I didn't say there wouldn't be any, but there'd be a whole lot less of those. Because I'm not looking to get my own way. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And it says, and he gave himself for What does that mean? I'm going to serve them. I'm going to become a servant. And we talked about last week, you know, we said that, that what we're called to do in the family, if the family's going to work right, one of the first attitudes that we have to have in the family with the adults, the mom and dad, is what? Is that we've got to have that attitude that was in Jesus Christ, what? Who didn't think that, you know, it was all about him. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he says. It's not all about me, but he said, I came what? To serve. And this is where it starts. We got to start serving. And men, you as the, as the husband and as the dad, you're to lead the way. I said, you're to lead the way. <laughs> he said, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for up for her, And then he goes on down and he talks about as his own self. Uh, Look, he said, uh, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives, verse 28 there, as cry, to love their wives as their own bodies. He, after all, no one ever hated his own body, did you? No. We love this thing. We pamper this thing. We, We take care of it. Y'all are looking so holy out there. <laughs> We're to lo- this. Listen, man, I'm talking about, do we want to have successful families? If we do, then we look, have to look at God's wisdom and God's pattern so that we can have God's grace to be able to, what, live 
our lives and bring that order to our lives that's supposed to be. And it starts with us, men. It starts with us. It doesn't start with your wife. It doesn't start with the kids. It starts with M-E, me. It starts with you. That's where it starts. Come on. It said to, that, that we're to love Christ as Christ loved the church as he loves his own body. And Peter also went on to say that we are to be considerate of our wives as the weaker vessels and treat them with consideration in our words and in our actions. Otherwise, we have no open heaven. If you want to know why maybe if your prayers doesn't, don't seem to be getting answered about your family, about your finances, about all these things we've talked about today, God wants to do that, yes, indeed. But I want to tell you something. If we don't bring things in the order that God has for them, 1 Peter 3, 7 says over there, he said, your prayers will be hindered. In other words, there won't be an open heaven. And if I were praying over things in my family and I, I wasn't seeing the answers come, the first thing I'd want to do is not check up on your wife or the kids. It's their fault, Lord. No, check up on yourself. How am I treating my wife? You know, I heard years ago someone said, you know, that he could look at a wife's countenance and tell how his, his, her husband's treating her. Mm. You ever seen a wife looks all beat down and sad and just, uh, well, I'm going to tell you what, guys, if that's your wife, you're, you, listen, you're slacking on the job. Oh, well, that's not my job to make her happy. Well, that's not what the Scriptures say. It says you treat her and be considerate in word and in deed. And I'm going to tell you what, you start loving your wife, you won't have a problem with getting that love reciprocated back to you. And then as you begin to pray, you know what you're going to find? An open heaven over you. And listen, guys, it's not the wife's responsibility to be the chief prayer in your family. It is yours. Thank God the wives and the mothers did pray or we would have been in a mess. So I'm not saying God's not hearing your prayers. Don't, 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 don't hear it that way, ladies. But I'm saying, men, we got to step it up. we got to step it up if we're going to have successful families. It doesn't come just because we'd like to have it, just because we wish to have it, but it comes when we align ourselves with the purpose and the role that God gave us. You know, we live in a culture now where everything, you know, oh, man, all this gender stuff's going on. It's all going on. Listen, it's not about the, a man being better than a woman or a woman being better than a man. We're all created equal in God's image. But it is about roles. Even our body tells us that, Paul said. He said, if your whole body, if the role of every member in your body was an ear, how would you see? If you were one big foot, how would you talk? Isn't that right? And listen, from my little toe to what hair I got left up here, I want to keep it all. You listen to me? I, you know, just maybe, maybe my little toe doesn't have as big a role as my heart or my brain, but you know what? It still has a role, and I want to keep it. So it's not about 
you know, equality. Let's just get that out of the way. We're all made in God's image. That's what makes us equal. God loved us all equally. We're all forgiven equally. We all have access to God equally. All that's, that's a given if you know your Bible. But there are roles that God has placed within each one of us, the man and the woman and even the children in a family. And if we will enter into those roles, I mean, just like you at job, on a job site. You know, it doesn't matter whether you, if you're working construction or if you're, if you're working in an office setting. There are all kinds of employees there and people there, but not everybody's doing the same thing, are they? There's different things. And if, thank God they did, because if they didn't, the, build, uh, the building wouldn't get put up and the business wouldn't prosper. There's a lot of different things that have to be done in order for it to be successful. That's true in the family of God. Why do we talk about serving being so important? Why do we talk about, you know, you need to volunteer and get involved in being so important? Because you have a function, you have a role, not only in your immediate family, but you have a role here as part of Passion Church. If this is your home church, if this is your family, you have a role to play here. Amen. And your role is important. You want this church, if we want this church to become all it can be in God, to uh, accomplish all that God's called us to do, then it's going to take you and I and all of us locating, finding our roles, and then wholeheartedly getting involved and start serving. That's what makes a successful marriage. That's what makes a successful home life. And that's what will make a successful church life. Thank you. Besides loving your wife, for life. We talk about the husband is also a guide for the family. He's a guide for the family. He is to be the spiritual leader. I talked about that, the spiritual leader. Notice he said, love Christ. He said uh, back in verse 25 in Ephesians, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, or other blemish, but holy and blameless. Then he goes on and he said, in this same way. In what same way? In the same way he just talked about Christ doing to the church. In the same way, this is what husband, how husbands should love their wives. When I become the spiritual leader, men, when we become the spiritual leader in our home, then you know what happens? We begin to release the grace of God, the purpose and will of God over our wives, over our children, so that what? They begin to become what God called them to be. If you're a bully in the home, if you're, if you're browbeating, uh, you know, your wife and the kids, I'm going to tell you what, you're creating something else. And it's wrong. And it's bad. And you are warping those people rather than helping them to achieve their God-given uh, call and, you know, and to nurture them. And it starts with being the, the guide, the spiritual guide. We begin to pray over our families. Let me ask you, men, don't answer this except to yourself. How much do you pray for your wife and your kids? Boy, it gets awful quiet. You know, I was talking about God wanting to bless you. <laughs> well, He will bless you. Because when you take that place in your role to guide, and it starts in prayer, man. It starts in prayer. You need to be the spiritual leader. 
Now, if you look at most churches, you know what? There's always about two to one more women than men. Hello? Well, you know, I just got to have a day off of rest. You know, I work hard six days a week, and I'm putting bread on the table, and I just need to rest. No, you need to be in the house of God. You need to be setting an example for your wife and your kids. Are you listening? He said we're to be the guide. He said that includes what? Teaching your children. Look in Ephesians 6. You're right there. He said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you. Verse 4, he said, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Notice he said, fathers. I said, he said, fathers. I said, he said, fathers. The primary role. Are you listening? Doesn't mean that the, the woman, the wife doesn't have a, a place in this, but the primary role, he says, is given to the father. Especially if you've got boys in the home, they're going to look to the dad. You know, if dad don't go to church, you mark it. Mom will get that, get that boy to go up to a certain age, but when he gets a certain age, he's going to say, I'm going to stay home like dad does. I can just about guarantee that. Why? Because we hadn't set the example. We need to set the example that, you know, you can be spiritual. You can be godly and still be a man. You don't have to be. We're not saying, we're not trying to make you effeminate or something. We're, we're saying you can be a man. And I really believe this. Real man, if you want to be a real man, you need to be a godly man. Because that's where the attributes of your manhood comes from. It comes from the Father above. And the more godly you are, the more of a man you're going to be. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Thank you. <laughs> Part of that is to discipline your children. Uh-oh. Discipline. Now, the word discipline doesn't mean just to punish. Are you listening? The word discipline means to correct, to train, and to educate. So there may be at a certain age where you do punish that child, but it's for the purpose of training and educating and correcting, not because they ticked you off. I, he just got on my nerves. Whack. What are you training them there? No. Listen, to discipline them. The, you know, in, in Hebrews 12, we looked at that last week. It said that we all have had fathers that disciplined us according to their own whim and will. Listen, let's don't be like that. But he, then he goes on, he said, But your heavenly Father, He will discipline us for our benefit. And as fathers, we should always look, when we get ready to discipline our sons and our daughters, okay, I want to look at this as how will it benefit them? How can I help them learn from this, grow from this, avoid the trap that this is going to lead them to. That's how I should discipline, not because I'm mad. Listen, never, I, let me tell you, this, never discipline when you're mad. It will never turn out good. The words you say and the things you do will just never turn out good. If you have to, give yourself a timeout. Calm, calm yourself down. Listen, no matter what your kid does, it's not going to be the end of the world. 
You may, it may feel like it at first, but it's not going to be the end of the world. But we are to discipline them. We, we are to, to protect our children. I know I could tell you examples of our kids where we've had to protect them. I'm talking about when they're little now. They're all grown and up and out. As a matter of fact, our youngest, Jason, just um, drove and moved out to Seattle. Drove all the way across the country. <laughs> Proud of that boy. He starts a brand new job tomorrow at Amazon. So he's, he's doing good. But you know, there have been times with our kids that we had to correct them. You know, and sometimes the correction meant to, to you know, to say, you know what, this, this relationship, this friendship, it's not good for you. And I want to tell you what, that's hard when you're talking about a teenager. Because you know, as a teenager, you know where all their emotions are all over the place. The hormones are going, the emotions are going. But there have been times when we had to say, look, this is just not good. This is just not good. You, know, you don't need this relationship. You don't need this friendship. It's just not good. It's not good. Because, you know, we could see something in them. It wasn't that we were trying to be mean or bad or judge anybody, but we just saw certain characteristics and things. We knew this wasn't going to turn out good. This wasn't going to be for their good. And listen, they don't need a friend. They need a father. They can get a friend at school, but they can't get a dad there. There's one father, many friends, but one father. That's you and I's responsibility to do that. So that's part of what we're talking about when we say disciplining the children. That's part of what we're to do. Listen, home and family is to be a place where we begin to help nurture our kids' dads to the point and develop our kids to the point to where they begin to discover God's purpose for their life. Maybe not entirely, but I'm telling you, if we will, will be the dad we should be, they will have some idea of God's purpose, God's abilities He's put within them, and we help them to understand these abilities are to be developed, and those abilities being developed will open God's uh, doors of God's will and purpose for their life. We need to teach them that. We need to teach them how to hear the voice of God. We need to be examples and teach them how to pray. See, we, we've abdicated education to the schools and teaching spiritual things to the church. Well, I, you know, I take my kids to church. Well, that's good. You should do that. But the, the church is not. Listen, Passion Church is not the primary caregiver for your child's spiritual growth. You are. Now, we want to help you all that we can. Don't misunderstand me. We want to do everything that we can to help you. But you've got to understand this. You have the, you've been given the primary responsibility. The primary authority rests with you so that your words and your actions will be many times uh, more powerful than ours, even mine. Because I'm not saying anything if you're a believer, somebody coming to church, that you don't expect me to say. But when you're the dad and you sit down in a teachable moment and say, Hey, son, this is how we do that. We don't do it that way. This is how we, this is how we respond. We, we don't get even. We forgive. We pray for people who've misused us and, 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 and have hurt us. We begin to teach them and instruct them. Okay. Then to provide for the family. We're talking about the role of the man. 
as husband and father. He's to provide for the family. You're right there, uh, 1 Timothy 5, or at least I am, 5, verse 6. I believe that's where we want to go here. 1 Timothy 5, 6. Yeah, listen to this. He says, maybe it's 2 Timothy. Let me look because that's not the scripture I want. I can quote it. Uh, It's a scripture. Maybe some of you will remember where it is. I can quote it anyway. He said, if any do not provide for his own family. And then if you look at that, he's really talking about extended family there because he goes on and he says, especially for those of his own household, that he has denied the faith and is worse, oh, get this, than an infidel. Woo! Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be considered worse than an infidel. He said, you prov-. so the husband's role is to provide for the family. Amen? The physical needs of the family. Men, that's your, your primary responsibility. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, notice, we, we, and I mentioned this at offering time in Genesis 1.28. Let's turn over there. Let's see if I got this scripture right. I believe I did. Scripture, Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the ground. So there was dominion. In verse 26, he says that particularly. He said, said God, made, let us make men in our own image and let them rule or have dominion. God has given us dominion over His creation. Adam may have lost it, but Jesus got it back. And now we, under the lordship of Jesus, we have dominion, men. We can declare and make this earth as we are diligent, as we develop the abilities God's given us, as we work hard. We have a right to demand that this creation yield up its wealth to us. Amen. If you get a hold of this, this can become the, the very foundation of success in your job, in your business, in your career, whatever it is. This is the starting place. The enemy ever come to you and say, tell you that you couldn't do something? You can't do this. You can't. I guess he's always over at my house. But you know, that's when I go back to this and say, wait just a minute. If it was just me, you might have a case. But God has given me dominion that the earth has to return back to me. If I'm, being, if I'm in the place God's called me to be, doing what God told me to do, and I'm being faithful, and I'm being diligent, then listen, this earth must return back to me the substance to meet my needs and my family's needs. And not only that, to help supply the expansion of God's kingdom in the earth. And if you're, we're not getting that, men, then we need to go back and say, wait a minute. Okay, am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God's called me to do? And am, am I diligent with it? The Bible says the hand of the diligent will rule. You read over there in Proverbs, I don't have time to get in it, but he talks a lot about the slothful, what we would call the lazy person. And there was nothing good said about a lazy person. 
<laughs> he says, as a matter of fact, you're going to come to want. You're going to be in need all the time. It's going to be all poverty is going to overtake you. All that stuff's going to. But he said, the hand of the diligent, what? Will, bear, will rule. Will rule over the earth. So, man, here's the thing. If, if my needs weren't being met, I'd get alone. I'd get my Bible. I'd get, go to Dad, Papa, Father, and I'd be talking to him and say, Wait a minute, God. Now, wait a minute. This is not right. You said you, that all of my needs would be met according to your riches and glory. They're not being met. Now, what's the problem? Am I doing what you call me to do? Have I developed the gifts you give me in that? And then am I being diligent in my work? If, if those things are there and they're really there, then you know right away that's the enemy trying to block you. You can stand up based on the dominion God has given you, and you can declare the devil take your hands off of the wealth that is my portion. God said it was mine. It's for me and my family, and it's going to be mine. Amen? Absolutely. Stand up and do it. Diligence, as we said, produces wealth. Then... We need to learn men, still talking to the men. How many men are still out there? Okay. Woo. Listen, this is liberating stuff. This is, not, this is not heavy stuff. This is liberating. Listen, there's nothing, there's nothing better than to see your family flourish under God, your wife and your kids to grow up strong and loving God and to flourish, to go out and and to give a day's work, whatever it is that you're doing, and to see God bless that and provide for your family, man, I'm telling you, I get, I get happy just thinking about it. Because that's the way God's wired us, man. Man, I'm going to go out and fix something. I'm going to do something. I'm make something grow. Go, go do it. It's in us. And how much more now that we have God and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and God's promised to us, and we can go out and say, bless God, we're going out and subdue. I'm going out and subdue some stuff this week. Amen. It's a good feeling, guys. I promise you. And then as we do that, in Proverbs 3, he said, here's something that we do also that in doing this, we're also recognizing that God has given us this dominion to cause the earth to yield up its wealth to meet my needs and my family's needs. And he says it's right here in Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Why do we talk about giving here? Why do we talk about tithing here? Why do we talk about that? Because it's connected with who we are as men. Are you listening? God's given us the earth and the wealth of the earth. And he says, you go out, use the gifts I've given you. Be diligent with it. He said, I'm going to bless the work of your hands. And it's going to, I'm going to cause it to give up its wealth to you for you and your family. And when we recognize that and we do that, then one of the ways that we reciprocate our thanks back to God and re recognize that God is the one that's done this is that we honor him with our wealth, and with the first fruits of all your crops. I take a portion, I give it back to God, and you know what I'm saying? I am, I'm kind of closing the circle on, uh, on the cycle here. I start up here, okay? God's given me dominion in the earth, okay? I've got gifts and abilities. I'm developing those. I'm going around the circle now. 
okay? God's causing the wealth, the hand of the diligent. I'm being diligent. As I'm diligent and I'm exercising that dominion, the wealth of the earth is being given up. It's coming back to me. And when I come full circle, it's when I honor God with my wealth. I start with God and I end with God because He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one that gave me the dominion and the ability, and He's the one that blessed the work of my hands. And when I come full circle, I honor Him with my giving. Amen? All right. Finally, the last thing we're going to look at, protection for the family. Protection for the family. Look over in Genesis 3. Spiritually, this, this is the first place, of course, naturally, that goes without saying. But spiritually, guys, we are to be the protectors of the family. You know how we got into the mess we're in right now as far as the fall of man? Adam's passivity. I'm going to read something here in Genesis 3. Now, how many of you have heard the story in some, in some version of it, you know, that we got into all this mess with the fall and everything because Eve went out and ate the apple or whatever it was. How many of you heard that part? That's usually the only part we ever hear when that's told, isn't it? <laughs> Let, let's, let's read the full story here. What do you say? Verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. Now, usually that's where we stop, but look at the next verse. Our next line. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Where was Adam when all this conversation was going on between the serpent and Eve? He didn't, he didn't say a word. He didn't pipe up and say, that's not right. God didn't say that. You get out. He didn't say nothing. And he was standing right there the whole time. Listen, guys. Passivity. When it comes to spiritual things and taking care of and protecting our family. Listen, you wonder why sometimes things don't turn out right. Why uh, uh, Maybe uh, things the way you wanted your kids uh, to grow up didn't turn out just right. It could be. I'm not saying it is in every case, but it could be that you're being way too passive. You need to be discerning about what's going on in your home, in your kids, with your wife. What's going on here? Wait a minute. I need to get busy in prayer. I need to cover this. There's something I need to address in the prayer closet. There's some things I need to declare over my family. I'm telling you, this is good pastoring right here I'm doing for you. It is. It's, it is. No, you don't, don't clap. But I'm just saying, this is good. You, you better grab hold of this. Because it'll save you some grief. You get in there. Man, even now, my kids are grown. And I understand, you know, when kids are grown and they're out on their own, there's a certain, you know, you don't have the same relationship, maybe the same degree of, of oversight. But you know what? Now, this, this, this is what I believe, okay? This is what I just told you. That was the word. This is my opinion. But this is what I, I still pray over my kids. They're grown. They're facing challenges. Man, I pray over my kids. 
you know, I'll tell God, you know. I said, man, several times a day I just say, you know, even if it's not something specific that I know about, I said, God, I'm just, I just surround my kids. I surround them with faith and love. I declare the seed of the righteous is blessed. What they put their hand to is blessed. Their heart is open to you. Uh, they're following after you with all their heart. You know, I'm going to declare some things over my kids, even though they're out and on their own, grown up and, and doing, doing what God's called them to do. Listen, it's important. And I truly believe, men, that one of the biggest things we will give an account for before God is how we conducted ourselves as fathers with the family He gave us. Don't be passive. Don't just say, well, my wife does all the praying in my house. You lazy bum. <laughs> yeah, I said it. <laughs> and you know what? As protecting, we build fences. We should build our fences. You know, I told you before, you know, when, when our kids, were, especially as they, they got this, at all different ages, of course, you know, the parameters and the fences changed as they grew up and, and, and got older and were able to, to make good decisions and, you know, and, and, and proven themselves. You know, the, the, the fences, you know, we expanded them out. But, you know, your, your kids need fences. You know, they, I read a story one time. It said they did some research. They had built a brand-new uh, 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 elementary school. Is that what they still call them, elementary? Okay. Make sure I'm in step here. They built this brand-new school, beautiful facility and everything. Had a beautiful, you know, grounds out there with the playground and everything out there for them to play on. But they got to noticing that, that at recess or when they had every all the kids were staying up right up close to the, church, close to the building. To the school building. And we're like, hardly anybody was out running and playing, you know, in the fields or on the, the playground. And so, uh, you know, in the process of time, they put up fences around the property. And they noticed as soon as they put up the fences, the kids were all over the place. Because the fences gave them a sense of what? Security. And listen, parents, whatever your kids may tell you, they still need security. They need the protection that comes from you, and especially dad. You, we built fences. We said, you know, th there's some things you can do, some things, you know, that's, we don't go there. That's not permitted. We don't do that. We set fences. And I'm not telling you what your fences need to be, but I'm going to tell you what, you need some fences. Because not only is it a, it's not just a barrier, it's partly that for their protection, but also it gives them freedom. They're free to begin to discover who they really are. You know, you see some, some, some kids, I'm thinking now about a, a couple that was in our church down in South Florida. And I mean, precious couple. I mean, just, oh, love God, just wonderful couple. You know, uh, they were up in their 70s. But, you know, they had a son who was in his 40s, and he was still living there with mom and dad. Sad. That's sad. It is. You know, now, now see, it wasn't because they weren't godly. It's some of the most godliest people I, I've ever met. I mean, love God. I mean, they supported us, man. They were with us all the I mean, all of that. But it was so sad because, see, what? They didn't. Thinking that you are protecting your child by just, you know, never giving them any freedom, never allowing them 
to, to find out who they are, maybe fall down, bruise their knee every once in a while. See, that's the other extreme. That child will grow up warped. That child will grow up insecure. And it will feel like, I, you know, he can't make his way in life. I don't know what's going to happen when mom and dad pass on because they ain't got too many more years. What will happen? It will be tragic. And sometimes that happens because sometimes we're selfish. I'm going to tell you what. If you're a parent, you know, I, I'm just speaking totally from the natural here. I'd love to have this big old house and have all my kids in a wing. In a wing of every house. Selfishly, that's just, I'm t- I'm t- but you know what? That wouldn't be good for them. But that, speaking of myself, any parents know what I'm talking about? I'm talking from the natural. I'd love to. I'm not happy because my kid's out in Seattle. I mean, I am happy, but you know what I mean? Distance-wise, I'm talking about. I'm very happy for him. And I know it's God's plan. But, you know, I'm not happy about being that far from everybody. But see... As men, what we provide that protection for our family. We want to help nurture them and grow them up. We speak the truth in love, and we create a safe place by our prayers and our faith. Now, let me give you some action points before we pray here, because we've got to wind this down. Listen to this. Men, I'm speaking to the men. And, uh, you know, wives, you can listen in and... You know, and if they might need some help later on, help, not nagging. <laughs> I could get off on, ta- but the, we, we get, we're going to do the women next week, men, so make sure you come back, right? <laughs> Equal time. But it's a wonderful thing with a father and a dad that love God and understand their roles and will step up. I'm telling you, I, my family life, because I told you when I was a kid growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He never provided for us. Eventually, he was gone. Uh, you know, so when Cindy and I got married and our kids were coming up, I mean, it was almost like I got to live my childhood again, too. I mean, it was a, it's a, it was a wonderful thing. You know, I've heard some parents, you know, talk about, boy, we couldn't wait for our kids to leave. Man, that, that wasn't our testimony. Man, we loved every second they were there. I wish, I wish somehow, you know, God had made it where they lived longer at home in the right way. But I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved it. It was awesome. It was great. Were we perfect? Obviously not. Of course not. But we loved every minute of it. So men, listen to this. Have you abdicated any of these responsibilities to your family? You know, here's the thing. You know, as men, you know, we have to, and we need to teach our, especially our sons and our daughters to this, but we need to say, okay, you know, we step up as men and say, you know what? I got it wrong. You know, it takes a man to do that. So you know what? God, I, I hadn't been doing the right thing. You know, maybe, maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't have an example like I didn't or whatever. But now that you know, you know, you just step up and say, you, know, don't, you don't beat yourself up about it, but you just step up and say, hey, you know what? I haven't been doing this. But with your help, God, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start providing. I'm, I'm going to start guiding. I'm going to start being the spiritual leader. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church. With your help, I'm going to step up and start doing it, whichever area it is. And I want to tell you, God will help you. Absolutely, He will. So, the second one is, decide today, today. Don't put it off. 
Why would you put it off? Decide today your response, to take up your responsibilities for your family if you're not already doing it. Maybe one of these areas that you could, hey, you know what? I need to do a little bit better there. There's been times when I've had to say, hey, you know what? I had to kind of, you know, straighten myself out there. Hey, buddy, you're not doing what you know to do. You're not doing what you ought to be doing. Let's, let's get it together here. And it don't take all day to do this. It just takes just a few minutes with the Father, with yourself, and you just step up and begin to do it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> I know, you know, we'd much rather hear, you know, something about raising the dead and casting out devils. But you know what? This, this literally is where you live. And I want to tell you what. I believe this with all my heart. Because Paul talked about this. He said, listen, he said, there put, let no one be put in the ministry, even if they're called, if they don't have their house in order. It's not enough just to be called. Does that surprise you? Dr. V, am I telling the truth? It's not enough to be called. We, we both know people that have been called, but they made a shipwreck out of their calling, and a lot of it can be traced right back to the things we're talking about here because what? Their home was not in order. Expect God's help and blessing upon you and your family as you take up your place. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.